Welcome to another inspirational message from Dave Koop, Senior Pastor of Coastal Church in Vancouver, Canada. Right from the Garden uh, uh, of Eve, Garden of Eden, we were, Adam and Eve were created for freedom. That's the way God wanted us. We, he wanted us to be the expression, the absolute picture of freedom. And so this morning, we're going to start right there that we were designed for freedom. Our, our verse that we're going to be using is out of Psalm 124. You can also find it in Psalm 91, but it's there in your notes, Psalm 124, 7 and 8. It says, we escape. Now, some of the translations say our soul, which is good. I'll actually like that better because what gets trapped is your soul. Uh, the biggest battle today is not in Afghanistan in the world. The biggest battle of the day is not between North Korea and South Korea or somewhere else in the world. The biggest battle of the day is fought between the ears of men and women. The biggest battle is in our minds. This is where we get trapped, is in our soulless realm. So it says, our soul, or we escape like a bird. God uses bird as an example, caught in a hunter's trap. Some translations said a, uh, a fowler's trap, a bird trapper. The trap was broken and we escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Now, if you want to underline that, the name of the Lord, we'll come back to that. The maker of heaven and earth. Our soul escape. We're caught in a trap. God comes and he rescues us. We're destined to be free. We're destined to live a life of freedom. That's what we were created for. But there's an enemy who tried to trap us and keep us from enjoying the life that God has for us. Traps work on the basis of deceit. That's the way traps work. No trapper sets up a trap and say, warning, this is a trap, don't come near it. The whole purpose of the trap is to lure you into it, and then once you're into it, you can't get out of it. Traps are designed that way. The trap is always stronger than the victim. If you trap a mouse in your house, a mouse trap is designed to be stronger than the mouse. You don't trap a rat with a mouse trap, you trap a mouse with a mouse trap. You don't use a, a mouse trap to get a grizzly bear. A grizzly bear is a great big trap that they've used for them. But the trap is always stronger than the victim. The good news is God is stronger than the trap. We sang that song, our God is stronger. Stronger than what? Stronger than any trap the enemy might catch you in. When we grew up on the farm, we had a lot of gophers on our land. And gophers don't go well with cattle and horses because the holes that they put into the pasture, cattle and horses break their legs on it. And so we had to get rid of the gophers. And what we would do is we would take a bucket, we'd fill it full of oats, and then we'd put just a couple of teaspoons of poison into that oats. Not a lot, just a little bit. And then we'd go around all the different gopher holes, and we'd put a couple of teaspoons at this gopher hole, a couple of teaspoons at that gopher hole, and that's how we trapped the gophers. To them, it looked like oats. It was deceptive because there was poison in it. And often, that's the way the enemy works. There's a lot of truth in it. He needs some truth, otherwise we wouldn't buy into it. And so he traps people still today. This whole series is to help us stay out of the traps. The Bible says, don't be ignorant of his devices. So in the weeks to come, we're going to actually expose the way he does it. He's been doing the same thing for centuries. And it doesn't matter if you're brand new as a Christian or not a Christian, or whether you've been a Christian all your life, he's still really good at trapping people. And our God is really good at preventing us from being trapped or rescuing us if we are trapped. And so we want to live free the way God designed us to be. The thing about traps, like I mentioned, is oftentimes you're not even aware you're going to be trapped or you're heading into a trap. Here this verse says, our bird, like a bird we escaped. And there's a, a story about a bird that gets trapped in the movie Surf's Up. 
it's a, it's a movie, uh, it's a mockumentary, an animated mockumentary about this little penguin named Cody. Cody's a surfer, and he's got a surfer buddy. His surfer buddy's called Chicken Joe, and Chicken Joe goes looking for Cody. Cody's lost, and he goes looking for Cody, and he doesn't realize that he's actually being lured into a trap as a bird, and he thinks he's actually having this wonderful picnic, but he's not. He's actually lured into a trap. And this is the way our enemy works. We don't realize it, otherwise we'd obviously leave. So just to help drive the point home, here's a little clip from Surf's Up about Chicken Joe. So it's day three, yeah. I, uh, I come across penguins. I'm Chicken Joe. Joseph, it's long for Joe. Hey, 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 Sweet, man. And, uh, you know, they treat me as their king and put me in a hot tub. It is, I guess, their royal hot tub. They're kind of hot and steamy, but really opened up my pores, you know. It was kind of cool that they kind of served me food while I was in there. It was like dinner on a show. There's poor Chicken Joe. He has no idea that he's actually uh, in a trap. That's the way the traps work. It's based on deceit, and you realize, oh, this is a lot of fun. This is... Man, this is a party. This is great. This is cool. And you don't realize that it's actually a trap. And God's out there to awaken you, to rescue you, to free you from the stare of the fowler. So let's talk about some principles of the rescue. And they're there in your notes. Number one, God is the rescuer. That's pretty uh, straightforward, but we need to drive the point home. God wants us free, and God is stronger than any trap. Now, God's view on freedom is a lot different than the world's view on freedom. The world advertises freedom. Almost every ad is based on that. If you buy this car, if you get this Infinity that has 652 zillion horsepower and go down the highway, you will experience freedom. Or if you get on a motorbike and you cruise down the highway, you're going to experience freedom. I love motorbikes. I love driving down the highway. And you do feel freedom. It is exhilarating. And you sense that freedom. Or if you, for some, it's, you know, if I have enough money to buy whatever I want, wherever I want it, that would be freedom. And you do experience freedom for a little while, but it's short-lived. And pretty soon the new car is empty and shallow, or the new suit, the new clothes, whatever you shop for. And uh, it doesn't last. It's not a real freedom. It's a pseudo-freedom. It's a freedom on the outside, not a, a freedom on the inside. People have done all kinds of crazy things to experience freedom. And a man for a long time has wanted to fly, to be like a bird, to experience freedom. I came across this 60 Minutes show, and it was about these guys called bird men. And uh, there are very few of these guys. They're an elite group of athletes, they're extreme sport to the extreme. And uh, you, you can't pay for this experience. You really would have to be. It's not like bungee jumping or even parachuting. You have to be an extreme athlete to be able to, to do this. But their whole quest is to experience freedom just for even three minutes. The, their, their experience is only about three or four minutes long. But what these guys do is they put on a suit that looks a lot like a bat. And then they climb a really, really high mountain. 
uh, usually like in Norway, somewhere they've got these tall, tall, towering cliffs, half a mile or a mile high, and then they jump off, and then they go flying out over the cliffs in this little bat suit, and they're like, oh, what a rush, I feel so free. It only lasts for a few minutes, but they, there's this desire in man to somehow experience freedom. But it's usually out there, not inside. Uh, let me show you a little clip, and then we'll be done with the clips. But this little clip will show you what I mean about man's hunger to be free, to experience some kind of freedom, which is very different than God's freedom. But here we'll drive the point home about man's desire to experience freedom. Okay, ready, set, go. You know, you, you step off and it's, it's like you're an astronaut, you're just weightless, and then you start to fall and you get the wind, and that's when you're gaining speed, and I really enjoy that part. You know, air is air, and gravity is gravity. You know, you're, you're carving through just beautiful stuff there. For some of these pictures, Julian was our cameraman, and at one point, he and JT were flying so close together in such perfect formation that there was time for a Birdman high five half a mile up at 140 miles an hour. It was an exhilarating moment, but it wasn't the last. Over the next few days, they kept on jumping, saving the best for last. Ready, set, go! And you're just flying along the, the, the wall on your right. And at that point, I don't really know what's going on. Is, is Julian there or not? I assume he is because he's so good. But on this jump, I can see our shadows. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's right there. Sick. He's right there. Every jump is like a little mini adventure. There These you go. That's great. Experiences. Every jump is like this little mini adventure. And why are they doing that? You know why? They want to experience freedom. And for a minute or two, they experience this exhilaration, this rush of freedom. See, you are destined for freedom. We're designed. We, we come that way created. We are created for freedom. God created us to desire freedom, to want to express freedom, to be free. But God's view of freedom is very different than the way the world would picture freedom to you. Freedom is far from free. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 says, Realize that your you weren't set free from the worthless life handed down to you from your ancestors by payment of silver or gold, which can be destroyed. Rather, the payment that freed you was the precious blood of Christ, the Lamb with no defects or imperfections. You weren't set free from the worthless life handed down to you from your ancestors. What does that mean, my worthless life handed down to me from my ancestors? What's Peter talking about? Peter's talking about what we got way back in the garden. In the garden, Adam sinned. Sin separated him from God. He was no longer free. At that point, man became a slave to sin. And when he became a slave to sin, it got passed down to you and I that we, we were born into sin. You never have to take a child and say, let me teach you how to be bad, Johnny. You don't have to teach Mary how to be bad. Kids grow up being naughty. You don't have to, you don't have to teach them to be naughty. They do that all on their own. You never had a child, and you said, you know what, I feel like my child is always so good. You know, I'm going to have to train him to do a few bad things just to fit in with the rest of the kids. We, we, we come that way. We, we know how to do that. We're not, we don't have to be trained to do that. Why? Because Adam brought sin into the world, and because of that, the Bible says, all have sinned, fallen short of the glory, and so it started in the garden. And God had a rescue plan for man. Really, this whole book 
From Genesis to Revelation, the whole book is about how God wanted to set us free. Free from what? Primarily free from the power of sin, that it no longer would hold and grip your, your life or my life. Sin is terrible. It destroys lives. But Jesus comes along and he breaks the chains of sin so that we can be set free, we can live in freedom, and we can stay out of the traps. Some might say, why are we moving into this series on freedom from traps? The reason we're doing it is because even as a church, and we have Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and he set us free, it's still possible for us to be trapped. Do we rescue people within our own congregation that are getting caught in traps? Yes, we have. And yes, we do. And that's not the way God wanted us to live. Every day, we have to be a sober spirit. Every day, we have to be on the alert. The Bible said that our enemy prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Does he want to devour you? Does he want to devour me? Absolutely. He looks for a way to devour us. He would love to lure us into a trap. And the more you say, I want to do something for God, the more you step up and say, I want to lead, the more he'd like to take you down so he could take somebody else down with him. But I've got good news for you today. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. If God before us, who can be against us? He is able to keep us from the evil one. Our God has rescued us, and he keeps us free. So, the freedom we have today cost a lot. What did it cost? It cost the precious blood of Jesus. We live in a free country. Canada is a free land. Aren't you glad that you live in a country that's free? Yeah. Now, we don't want to be like Chicken Joe here. Chicken Joe is this easygoing surfer from Wisconsin. He's just kind of like, you know, surfing through life. And if we have that attitude of mediocrity and, and we get familiar with the freedom we have, you can end up trapped, especially spiritually. It's very easy just to kind of, okay, I'm free and I enjoy it and this is wonderful. But really, folks, we have to live alert. We have to be aware, alert, sober-minded, not drawn into the things of this world that traps us. And as we go through this series, we're going to pick every Sunday another type of trap and how it traps people. Why? So we can prevent marriages from falling apart. So we can prevent children from being abused, so we can prevent people from being addicted to dumb stuff and have their lives destroyed. The highest life is a life free through Christ. Remember last week we talked about the broad way and the narrow way? You don't choose the gate based on the gate. You choose the gate based on where the road ends up. The narrow way leads to life. The broad way that everybody's on leads to destruction. God does not want you destroyed. He wants you free. He gives you this picture of freedom. He says, oh, I want you to enjoy the freedom that I've purchased for you. We look at an eagle soaring and we get inspired. And we say, man, what a picture of freedom. And it thrills us to see freedom. You know what thrills God's heart? What thrills God's heart when his children live in the freedom that he provided for them. And what causes him to reach out in compassion to us is when we get lured into some dumb trap that he knows he can lead us and help us steer from, be free from. Oh. Freedom is far from fear. Let me go to the next point. Freedom comes by having faith in the name of the Lord. We sang about that in a couple of the songs. There's something about that name. There's power in that name. Romans 8, 13, or 10.13 says, Whosoever... That means any one of us shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. It's in the name, folks. 
It's in the name. If you go to the book of Acts, it was the name. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Acts chapter 3. Peter, John, they're going up to pray. 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they got a prayer meeting, and they're going up to pray. They get near the gate of the temple, and there's a guy who's been sick from his birth. He's got deformed legs. He was born that way. 40 years old, never walked. 40 years old and never run. 40 years old and never played hockey. He was in Canada, so maybe, maybe soccer. He never played any sports. He's sitting there by the temple. Peter and John come along, and he's begging. That's how he made his living. And Peter and John say, you know, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I'll give to you. What I do have, I'll give to you. What did Peter have? I'll tell you what Peter had. Peter had a revelation that there's power in the name of Jesus. And so he says, I don't have that, but what I do have, I'll give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He takes a man by his hand, and he lifts him up, and something happens to his ankles. Something happens to his muscles. Something happens to his knees, the muscles, the sinews. And a man that had never walked in 40 years went jumping and leaping and praising God. And he didn't worry what anybody was thinking about it. He was so happy to be free. They had watched this for all those years, and there was lots of people milling around. We know that 5,000 men plus women and children gave their life to Christ that day as Peter got up to preach. And P- Peter was saying, what caused this? Why did this happen? He said it was the name of Jesus. But in Acts 3.16, more importantly, I think he says, and it was faith in the name. Oh, it's, it's, it's faith in the name. The name of Jesus is not a good luck charm that you add on to the end of your prayers. And sometimes as Christians, we've been guilty of that. We pray and, oh, Lord, help me through this day, blah, 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 in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. It's the name. That early church, when they, when they took the name of Jesus, they recognized that that name would pierce the darkness. That name was powerful in heaven. That name would raise that lame man. That name would heal the sick. That name would... Bring freedom. That name, like we read in Psalm 124, was what would free them from the trap. Our help is in the name of the Lord. There's power in the name. But it's faith in the name. Trust in the name. See, when you, if I have a, come before God the Father and I have a request, and I sign my name to the request, And I bring it before him and say, God, I have a request. And I've signed my name to the request. I'm bankrupt. I have nothing really to offer God. No good works can get me there. Nothing I could do could get me there. But Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Jesus takes and co-signs my request. My first car I bought didn't have any money. I went to the bank. My dad went with me. My dad says, you need to get some credit. We're going to help you with this. And the banker said, we're going to help you get the car, but it's not based on your credit. It'll be based on your daddy's credit. If your dad co-signs a loan, you can have the car. And when my dad co-signed, I got the loan. Well, when I come before God the Father, it's not my name. It's the name of Jesus. You know, some bank accounts need two signatures. When you go before the Father, Jesus adds his signature, so to speak, to the check. And God says, you may not have much or anything, but guess what? Jesus has all the riches. Everything is needed is in him, and I can honor that request based upon the name of Jesus. This is what happens when you ask in the name. Whosoever shall call upon the name. 
A number of years ago, a man called me up. I had no idea who he was. He says, I'm in Burnaby in a hotel. Would you come visit me? And, you know, you kind of think, okay, who is this person? Do I go or don't I go? And sometimes you wouldn't go, but I really felt like I needed to go visit this guy in, in Burnaby in the hotel. I went there, sat down, had coffee with him, and he told me his story. He was in a hospital in Toronto. He had the worst case of shingles they had ever seen in Toronto. His body was just filled with this disease. And he said, I was in such pain. I got into the shower one day there in the hospital, and I, I cried out. He said, it wasn't my faith, but I knew about Jesus. And I'd heard about him. I knew that he was a prophet. I knew that he was a teacher. But I also knew that he was the God of the Christians. And there that day in the shower, I said, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus of the Christians, Jesus, I call upon you. I know you healed. Heal my body. He said, I stood in the shower. And he said, as I called on the name of Jesus, the shingles washed off my body. That day, Jesus healed me. He says, today, I'm a follower of Jesus. And he still is a follower of Jesus. Why? He, it's whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord is saved. So there's freedom in the name. Freedom can celebrate in the face of adversity. Remember we said that the freedom God gives us is different than the freedom the world has. This freedom's on the inside. You could be in a jail in China for your faith, and you could be more free than somebody walking the streets of Canada. Because freedom's on the inside. Over the years, Cheryl and I have had the privilege of going to different jails and serving people here in Canada and gone to jails in Mongolia and United States and different parts of the world and the Philippines. We went to a jail in the Philippines called Bilu Prison. Man, it wasn't the nicest prison in the world. And we went there and we were with these Filipinos and they were so free, worshiping God. Freer than... Many other people that are living in our nation, that's a free nation because freedom's on the inside. Freedom's an inside job. You can put freedom to an acid test. Years ago, the prospectors would carry around a vial of acid. Have you heard that expression, the acid test? This is where it comes from. They'd carry with them a vial of acid, and when they'd find gold, they would take and pour the acid on the gold to make sure it was really gold and not fool's gold. Fool's gold is iron pyrite, and if you pour acid on it, it dissolves. But the real gold will not dissolve. And you know what? Our freedom will be tested. And when the acid test comes, does our freedom dissolve or does our freedom still there? Paul and Silas had the acid test. They're thrown into prison. They've been whipped. They've been beaten up. They're bloody. They're in stocks. They're hurting. But in that time... They, they're locked up. It looks like they have no freedom on the outside. They're not soaring like the bird men. They're not partying. They're, they're in prison. But folks, they're free. They're free. They're worshiping. They're praising God so much so that the jail opened up and many others went to freedom. Your freedom will affect other people. Freedom doesn't have fear. Freedom has a liberty on the inside. Nobody can take this freedom from you. Am I, am I, am I speaking to somebody this morning? The freedom's on the inside. Our world spends lots of money on advertisements and all kinds of informations fed to us that if we do this, we have freedom. If we do that, we have freedom. I read about a, a lady recently. She was on the news. She'd gone through 10 uh, surgeries, uh, cosmetic surgeries at one, go, at one go 
because she, wanted, she felt like if her body was changed on the outside, she would have this freedom. And now, last article that, that followed was like she wants to go back and undo a bunch of the surgery because she feels trapped in her body. We have a world that's painted a picture. Do this, do that, do this, you'll be, you'll be free. But the freedom's on the inside. When we're free, catch this point, when we're free, we live the purpose we have in our life. The greatest sense of freedom is when you're doing what you were created to do, eagles are created to soar, and God has created you and I for something amazing. And the last thing the enemy wants is for you to live out what God's designed you to do. When we're free, there's no fear, there's no restriction, there's no inhibition, and we live out what we've been designed to do. That's freedom. That's the life that he wants for us. Now, your freedom has got a lot to do with the way you value yourself. And your self-worth, your value, your self-esteem is based on what you think in your head, what you think in your head, the most important people in your life think about you. So if I think Cheryl thinks good about me, my self-worth goes up because she's an important person in my life. But if I'm thinking Cheryl doesn't think good about me, my self-worth goes way down because she's so valuable to me. If I think my mom thinks good about me, my self-worth goes up. There are days, and you've had those days too, when you're up against the odds, and I'll think, well, my mom loves me. My mom still cares about me. My mom thinks I'm a good boy. My wife thinks I'm a good boy. I guess I got enough. Nobody else thinks much, but they do. See, your confidence to do something, to be free and express what you're meant to do, is so related to your sense of worth and value. Think about it. We just read it. God paid for you with the blood of His Son. That means you are incredibly, incredibly valuable. When I know that I'm worth that, it gives me confidence to live freely for him and not inhibited by the fear of man to do stupid things. Your self-worth is based on what you think the most important people think about you. God thinks you're amazing. God loved you that he gave his son for you. You're so incredibly valuable to him. When we lock into that, that I am a child of the Most High. Nothing can hold you back. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. When, he, when you lock into that revelation, Adam in the garden lost that relationship. Jesus brought us back into the family. A number of years ago, there was this uh, great preacher. Matter of fact, Newsweek says he's one of the 12 best preachers Today, living. His name is Dr. Fred Cod, uh, Craddock. And he was speaking at Yale University. And he told the story to those students at Yale University as a professor. He said, a number of years ago, I was in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. If you've ever gone to Gatlinburg, it's like the Banff of the Smoky Mountains. He's getting away 
on a holiday with his wife. They sit down to a very nice evening at a restaurant, sharing a romantic, intimate moment. As they're sitting there, this old man was going from table to table, and he comes up to them, and he says, good evening, folks. And they say, hi, good evening. And they said, where are you people from? And they said, oh, we're from Omaha. And, uh, and they just kind of ignore him. And they, they want to have an intimate moment. This is their date. And then he says, uh, what, do you, what do you do for a living? And so Dr. Craddock says, well, I'll throw him with this one. He says, you know, well, I'm a professor of homiletics. He goes, oh, so you teach young people how to preach. He goes, yeah. And he said, well, I have a preacher story. Could you, would you like to hear my preacher story? And the professor's going, oh, great. Everybody's got a preacher story. Okay. He says, sure, I'll, I'll gladly hear your, 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 your preacher story. So the guy pulls up a chair. And now they're having this intimate moment. And now this old man, gray hair, pulls up a chair. And, and he says, you know, I grew up not too far here in Tennessee. Just over the mountains is where I grew up. I was born into a home with no dad. I went to school. And uh, they had names for me. I hid at recess. When I walked down the street, I thought everybody was looking at me, wondering, who's that guy's dad? Who's his dad? I felt like I was so illegitimate. When I heard about this preacher coming to town, all my friends were going to hear him, because he was, I guess, a very good speaker. So I decided that I would go late, sneak in after the worship, and sit in the back and listen to him. And then I would leave before it was over. He said, I did this for a number of nights. And he's telling this couple there at that restaurant, I did it for a number of nights. And then one day, I got so engrossed in what he was saying, I didn't realize it was already the benediction. He was coming to a close. And now I was leaving with everybody else. And I'm walking down the aisle, he tells him. And as I'm walking down the aisle, I felt this big hand on my shoulder. And I turned around, and there's the preacher. And he looked at me and he said, and whose boy are you? And I froze of all the questions for him to ask me, ask me whose boy I am. And I said, well, well, well. And as I was stumbling, he looked at me and said, I'll tell you whose boy you are. I see the family resemblance. You're God's son. And then he patted me on the rump and said, now go claim your inheritance. And he looked at that couple at the restaurant and he said, that was the most important sentence I've ever heard in my life. He finished his story. He went on his way. The waitress came up and said, was there an old man talking to you at this table? He said, well, yeah, there was. But now they realize this was no ordinary moment. And she said, do you know who that was? And they said, no, I don't realize, I don't know who that man was. She said, well, that's Ben Hooper. He's a two-time governor of Tennessee. What caused Ben, an illegitimate boy years ago, to be free, fly to the purpose that he was destined to have? I'll tell you what it was. If you haven't caught it, it's a simple revelation that he was God's son and that he had amazing inheritance in Christ. See, when we grab that, the things of the world go strangely dim. We just want to hang on to the freedom that we have in Christ. Ah. Well, we have to wrap this up, and we're nowhere near finished the notes. But obviously, the devil's a trapper, right? We figured that out. That's pretty easy to figure out. We're the bird. We figured that out in this story. God uses bird again over some other animal because it's a great expression of freedom. Aren't you glad he didn't use the pig? 
aren't you glad he didn't use a, a gopher? He used a bird, right? He's, that was very nice of him. Now, your freedom, again, is a reflection of your, of your inner freedom. And let me just put this verse in there, Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. You, you're familiar with this verse. Jesus says, come to me, all who are tired from carrying a heavy load. I'll give you rest. Place my yoke over your shoulders. Learn from me because I'm gentle and humble, then you'll find rest for your souls. Again, it's an inside thing, not an outside thing, it's an inside thing. But notice the words, if you want to circle these verbs, come, place, learn. Number one, you have to come to him. He beckons you, come, come to me. Two, place this yoke on me, on yourself. It's, that's not a, it's just what are you linked up with? Link up with me, and then learn from me, and you're going to have this freedom. Come, link up with me, and then you'll have this freedom. Freedom from guilt and shame. We could talk about that. Here's John 8, 31 to 36, where it says, you'll know the truth. You're familiar with that verse? Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you're my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth alone will not set you free. Just like the name of Jesus alone does not set you free. It's faith in the name. Truth, you have to know the truth. So you, there's, a, there's a trust. You have to put your weight on this. Understand it. Believe it. Learn it. Abide in me, he said at one point. Put your, put your hope in this. That's where the freedom comes. Then down further on, he says here, so if the sun sets you free, well, then you'll indeed be free. We'll expand on that some more as we get through this series. But I want to go to the last page just wrap up with this, how to avoid the traps and live in freedom, and we'll expand on this as we go through the series. We're not going to give you the whole load of hay the first day. We'll give you a bale at a time, but this guy went to church, and he was the only guy in church in this rural community, and he sits down, and he's the only guy in church, and the preacher gets up, and he preaches, not for half an hour, not for 45 minutes. He preached like for three hours. And the guy's kind enough, he sits through three hours of preaching, and he, and he leaves. And he, the preacher races to the door to meet him, and he walks over there, one guy, and, he, and the preacher says to him, Hi, how do you enjoy my, my service? He says, Well, you know, I'm a farmer, and when I go to feed my cattle, I, I don't feed them the whole load of hay. I just give them one bale at a time, but thanks for the load. So we're not going to give you the whole load today, just a couple of bales. How to, how to avoid traps to live in freedom, stay in fellowship with other believers, take a look at those who are trapped. Sometimes it just is enough to realize, man, I'm not going there. Be led by the Holy Spirit. He'll warn you of danger. Flee the appearance of evil. We'll talk more about that. And then I just want to wrap up with the last one. Stay connected with God. This is this place, this yoke on you. Hook up with me. Get linked up with me. Isaiah 40, 31 but those who wait on the Lord, that word wait, again, we've shared this before, that word wait is the Hebrew word kava, kava, comes from a Hebrew word to braid, like braid a rope. When you braid, intertwine your life with God, you get His strength. His strength will not be broken. So if your life is intertwined with God, you can't be broken because God can't be broken. So you're intertwined with Him. So those who kava, wait on the Lord, shall what? Renew their strength. Do you know right now where you're sitting, you're getting strength pumped into you? Because right now, you're, you're waiting on the Lord. You're intertwining your Sunday. You took a long weekend in September. You could be camping. You could be doing anything else today. But you are cavalling right now. You're intertwining your life with God. And whether you recognize it or not, but there is strength being pumped into your heart right now. Ka-choo, ka-choo, 
Kaçık, 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 kaçık. You're getting an injection of strength. You have fresh strength right now being pumped into your heart. You're waiting on the Lord. That's what it says. Your strength's being renewed. It is impossible, folks, to come to worship God, to say, God, I'm hungry for you, and to walk out the doors without having your strength renewed. It is impossible to get up in the morning and say, God, this day belongs to you. I'm going to start my day by reading a proverb of the day. I'm going to start my day by just worshiping you during the day, taking a moment, saying, God, what a great day, or just reflecting on him. Strength comes. You renew your strength. You mount it with wings as eagles. You run and not be weary. You walk and not faint. Whew. You're destined for freedom. And it's going to be a month or two of people being set free from the trap of the enemy, liberated to live out the destiny God has for you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to download free notes from this message or find out more information about Pastor Dave Coop, then we invite you to visit our website at www.coastalchurch.org.